Many women find self-promotion distasteful and organisational politics a pointless waste of time and can often get surprised to determine through their career that who they know is as important as what they know. Today we're talking about political savvy, why it's an important leadership skill and how to acquire it. Hi, this is Penny DeVolk. Welcome to Grit in the Oyster, a conversation about how we navigate our careers, our organizations, our lives as women leaders. Exploring its challenges, learning from others, sharing best practice, an opportunity to step out of the fray for a bit, to help you tune out some of the noise and tune into being the best leader you can be. So on the line with me today is Bonnie Marcus, founder and president of Women's Success Coaching. Bonnie started her own corporate career at an entry level and worked her way to the C-suite. As well as being an executive coach, she's extensively published writer for the likes of Forbes, Business Insider, Huffington Post, and author of the book, The Politics of Promotion, How High Achieving Women Get Ahead and Stay Ahead. Welcome, Bonnie. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you. Um, I'm wondering if we could start with your telling us your own story and how the book Politics of Promotion came about. Okay, well, I actually do not have a business background. I was, uh, I got a master's degree in education and got married right out of school, got a divorce. <laughs> My kids were young yeah. and I decided to get a nine to five job. That's literally what I wanted so I could be with my kids, you know, after school and at night. And I applied for a job with um, a large physician practice, you know, managing their cardiac rehab center. It was a joint venture uh, between the physicians and a management company and a hospital. And at first, you know, they told me that I wasn't qualified, but then they called me back and they actually hired me. Yeah. Uh, I managed to talk my way into the job by saying that my dad had a heart attack when he was young and we changed our lifestyle and I knew all about that and I was an aerobics instructor at one point and I, I you know, was so passionate about cardiac fitness and all this. Anyway, I really didn't know anything about business. I had just been divorced. I barely knew how to balance my checkbook. Yeah. But they taught me the business. And in a year and a half, I was managing 11 centers for them up and down the East Coast in the yeah. U.S. Um, and that was my entry into, into business. And it, my career just took off from there. Mm -hmm. Not to say that there weren't some ups and downs. Yeah. Probably midway in my career, I was working for a national health care company. I had been there eight years. And I was a rising star. I won all these awards. And I uh, had received, gosh, about four promotions over the yeah. course of eight, eight years. But I was really stuck. I mean, I was um, an AVP. Yeah. And the AVP reported uh, to a senior VP who reported to the CEO of the company. So there was this big gap between where I was and yeah. uh, the next step. Uh, but I was happy with the company. You know, I really yeah. enjoyed the company and the people I worked with. So I, I stayed and we got word that the company was going to reorganize. And that resulted in me getting a brand new boss. 
who I didn't like at all. And the opportunity to be a VP because that slot opened up in my territory. Okay. Well, I threw my hat in the ring. I thought it was a shoe in yeah. because uh, there was nobody else more qualified than I in my territory. But long story short, yeah. I was passed over and uh, they brought in a man from outside my territory to take that position. And they offered me some kind of a lateral move. Right. And I was so upset. I felt so betrayed. I had worked there for eight years. God knows how much money I had really generated for this company. But it wasn't until afterward, Penny, that I realized that I had made some, some mistakes. I assumed that it was just my work that would get me ahead. Yeah. I really didn't like my boss. I didn't build a relationship with him. I didn't know how the decision would be made. I really didn't pay attention to the politics at all. Right. And so, you know, when I was thinking about the lessons learned, I realized that, wow, this is such a trap for so many women. Yeah. I started to do research on this and, and found out that a lot of women, not just myself, passed over mm. because they were relying on just their work. They had no idea how to create visibility and credibility for themselves, how to position themselves. They were totally blindsided by politics. They weren't yeah. paying attention to it. And um, I felt that I really needed to get the message out that this has to be a wake-up call. There's yeah. so many talented women out there, ambitious women out there who say, well, why? Why didn't I get that promotion? You know, why was I passed over? And we don't realize everything that it takes. It takes both great performance as well as political savvy uh, to get ahead. And so that's how the book happened. And that was the message that I wanted to get out there. Well, it's really powerful. And certainly, as you say, one of the key themes of the book is how women tend to over rely on their hard work and competence when working on their promotion prospects. What's fundamentally wrong with that strategy in your mind? It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so working on the wrong but you know what? People are too busy to go out of their way to reward and recognize you yeah. these days. Yeah. Everybody's got, you know, to-do lists and tons of meetings to go to and it really becomes our responsibility uh, to advocate for ourselves and to create some kind of visibility for ourselves Mm -hmm. to let people know uh, what our accomplishments are. And our comfort zone is in the work. That's right. So So we stay. This this is challenging, right? And, And there's also something, I don't know if you've ever heard of the tiara syndrome. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Easy to get locked into that. Yep. Yeah. So we feel that, you know, one day we're going to do all this great work and one day somebody's going to come into our office and Mm -hmm. put a little tiara on our head and say, okay, now you're CEO or whatever, you know, and it it just does not, that's not reality. It doesn't happen that way. Uh, We need to be out there building relationships and, and, um, building a, a strategic network that supports our career goal, we need to um, really pay attention to what the politics are. Yeah, yeah. 
So how would you describe political savvy and why do you think it's an important leadership skill? Political savvy is really paying attention to understanding the dynamics in your organization. And I talk about uh, some, some basic things that you need to pay attention to. You need to pay attention to the rules, but most importantly, the unwritten rules. Yeah. So, and which unwritten rules are sacred, right? So um, if you have uh, a new job and you walk in and you're all excited, at nine o'clock, you're ready to go and you look around and everybody's been working since 7.30, yeah. Well, maybe the unwritten rule is you work 90 minutes before the boss shows up. You know, you stay an hour after. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the kinds of things that you don't find in an employee handbook, but they could be important for how to position yourself to get ahead. So the rules and the unwritten rules are really important. Um, who has power and influence yeah. is the second thing you need to look and pay attention to. And this constantly shifts, Penny, and I'm sure you know that. Some people are in favor, they're out of favor, you know, they have influence one day and they don't the next. But it's really important to recognize who those people are, who has power and influence over your career, Mm -hmm. and build some solid relationships with these people. Um, and, And last, it's really understanding the culture. Yeah. And... That can also differ by department, but the culture is really the personality of the organization. Mm-hmm. It's important to see what kind of behavior is rewarded, what isn't rewarded, what's rewarded as a woman, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or what is not rewarded as a woman. Yeah. Um, what does it take as a woman to get ahead in the organization? You know, look for role models, look for women who have made it to leadership. Who are the relationships they have and how do they communicate and how do they behave? And it's really observing all of those things. That's interesting. Okay. So has it been your experience that women are less savvy than men, less politically savvy? Has that been your experience that women come to organizational politics with a different mindset? Well, they definitely have a different mindset. And they don't understand the importance of it. Most of the women that I interviewed for the book had very negative attitudes about politics. Right. They felt it was a waste of time. And that was probably the most generous (laughs) response. Um, Some women said it's evil. It's bad karma. Yeah. that it's manipulative and and self-serving. And so when you look at office politics, we won't get into the whole general politics discussion. When you have that attitude, you tend to avoid building relationships, avoid really understanding what the dynamics are. And that sets you up to be blindsided. I think it's easier for men to be politically savvy. It's, it's more uh, comfortable for them. You know, there's such a thing as similarity bias. So if men are in leadership positions in the organization, it just, you know, it, it just is easier for men to break into some of the power circles and to network 
um, after work with some of the, you know, key stakeholders, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And um, women, you know, not only do they not understand it's important, but they avoid it. Okay. And, and your thesis is, and certainly what came up in the book, was that this serves women very poorly in terms of their promotion prospects. Yeah, it's really important, Penny, that people, women, understand that politics doesn't need to be negative. Mm -hmm. You know, you can reframe it. It's, it's really about building relationships and understanding the dynamics of an organization. And it helps you to uh, position yourself in the organization as somebody who brings value. Yeah. Yeah. So what advice would you give to women who trying to change their, their, their you know, shift their mindset about this distasteful activity? You've just said, see it as building relationships and learning to read the organization. Um, networking is part, I guess, of that whole political mm -hmm. savvy. And again, um, you know, many women find networking, again, distasteful to transactional. Uh, and in your book, you really had some, you talked about building your power network. Mm -hmm. Is there a reframing that women can do around networking as well? Yes. So, unfortunately, many women think of networking as self-serving. Mm -hmm. So, I have to go out and ask people, you know, favors. And we're, you know, we're really uncomfortable doing that. But the way I approach networking is by building mutually beneficial relationships mm -hmm. where it's a win-win. You're not approaching people and say, can you do this for me? Can you introduce me here? Can you uh, promote me here? Uh, you're getting to know people and what they want and need and positioning yourself as somebody who potentially can help them. Mm -hmm. So it ends up being mutually beneficial, which are much, much stronger relationships. And when you shift from it's all about me and self-serving to how can I help others achieve their goals, uh, that helps you reframe it. Yeah. And, and engage with it in a way that is yeah, mm -hmm. not something that is distasteful. The, in, your, in your book, Bonnie, you identified four stages of development from naive Nancy to, through to political Pam. I'm wondering if you could headline some of these uh, because what I thought was, was very powerful was the kind of evolutionary piece that this is a skill, it's a muscle, it's just not making yourself do stuff that you don't want to do. Um, can you talk about how people might develop, develop those skills through that evolution? Right. So uh, naive Nancy is somebody who is 100% work focused. Mm -hmm. And they're beginning to learn, perhaps through some positive and negative experiences, that they need to pay attention to what's going on around them. Yeah. But from the get go, this is somebody who is trying to prove themselves through their work. Now, this can be a woman who is at an entry level and just starting their career, but it also can be somebody who has a new job, right? And you're there and you're trying to prove yourself and you're busy working. And I have a lot of clients like this who 
uh, don't understand that while you're doing that, you also need to build relationships and take a look at what's going on around you. Mm -hmm. So naive Nancy could be at the beginning of your career, but it can also be when you're, you know, put into a new position and a new company and you feel, you know, you're starting over trying you to prove yourself. Getting consumed by the task. Mm -hmm. Right. right. Um, great work, Greta is then beginning to understand that she's got a great track record, but she's really lacking um, with some of the relationships and her network is probably not too well defined. Mm -hmm. So she's just beginning to see that if she has a certain career goal and if she's ambitious, that maybe she needs to build a network in some of these relationships, she can't do it by herself. Mm -hmm. As you move into strategic Sarah, now uh, Sarah gets it. She understands that I need to spend time networking. I need to spend some, set aside some time to do this. And maybe I need to delegate more to my team so that I can empower them and have more time. And as she's building her network, She's not only identifying key stakeholders, but potential mentors and sponsors who can help guide her and advocate for her. Mm -hmm. So she's shifted now into, okay, I have ambition. How am I going to achieve my goal? I understand that I need other people and I have to be very strategic about how I'm you know, moving my career forward. And then political Pam has really reached a, a leadership position, understands how she's using her, um, her own influence. Her focus is more on now I need to maintain this credibility and, and visibility as I, you know, as I lead and inspire others. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason that I focus the book on how to get ahead and also stay ahead is that a lot of people, not just women, when they reach executive status, they really forget some of the right. relational yeah. skills mm -hmm. yeah. uh, that got them where they are. And they yeah. become more focused again on their technical skills and, and on the work. And so political Pam needs to once again, remind herself of, you know, her social capital and the social mm -hmm. skills she has. And, and, uh, Make sure she's focusing on that. Yeah, and keep filling that tank. Okay, yeah. very interesting. Have you noticed a change uh, in your career around uh, how women are, as they go through into the senior executive ranks and as more of them are in senior, senior roles, have you noticed a difference around uh, the political savvy muscle that women are bringing into organizations? I... I have, I think that, um, you know, maybe a few, a decade or no, probably more than a decade, a couple of decades ago, women in the workplace felt that the only way for them to get ahead was to act like a man. Yeah. Yeah. And now what I see is women being much more authentic, stepping into their power, um, understanding that you can reach a leadership position by you know, really embracing what your talent is and your power and being authentic, mm -hmm. not 
acting like a man or thinking that you need to be more like a man to get ahead. And so I, I think we're, we're seeing that shift. Um, it's not all the way there yet, yeah. but, but we're beginning to see it, that women are feeling much more comfortable um, and are really owning uh, their value. Yeah. You also spoke in the book, Bonnie, about some of the, the sort of subtle barriers um, around unconscious bias and, and the double bind of how women behave politically comes with a certain nuance that there's an expectation that women will behave differently to men, which can often be confusing for women, as you say, that they just don't want to be men. What advice might you have for women to really navigate uh, how political savvy might look different or need to look different to land for women? Well, that comes down to political savvy mm. or perhaps emotional intelligence. Yeah. You know, I think that women really need to understand who they are building relationships with, what resonates with those people, mm. understand, you know, what type of behavior is accepted, what isn't. You know, how do you build influence in the organization where you are? Uh, is it acceptable to speak up and speak out? Or do you need to kind of build consensus outside of general meetings? And, and so I get that down to political savvy, Penny. Yeah. You know, you know, that double bind is that we're told that we need to be more um, assertive to be viewed as a leader. But when we assert ourselves, bingo, you mm. know, we're labeled as as being, you know, Stop elbowed or <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, too bossy and a bitch. And nobody wants to work with us and we're not likable. And so that kind of backlash is real. And, you know, I, I think it still exists in a lot of organizations. But that doesn't mean that you go hide in a hole somewhere. Yeah. You know, yeah. how do you build influence in, in the culture, in the organization where you are? And um, what are some of the important relationships that you need to build to help you uh, gain visibility, etc.? So it's really understanding what the politics is you yeah. know and the yeah the landscape and reading that landscape in a very different way beyond just your your skill and competence in terms of the task uh, we talked about networking one of the things uh you referenced in your book as well is you know we've talked about it to a certain extent is our over reliance on competence and staying in roles that are sort of comfortable because we're really good at them um, and expecting, as you say, the tiara syndrome, expecting someone to come along and give us a promotion. How would, um, how, what advice would you have for women to ensure that the people walking around them, A, understand what they, what value they're bringing to the organization and B, understand what their ambition is? Well, one of the tools in my political toolkit is a mirror. Mm -hmm. And it's a really, you know, it's the first tool that I talk about in my book because it's so important and it's the foundation of really how you get the visibility that you need. You need to self-reflect first. Instead of looking around at what everybody else is doing and uh, everybody else's accomplishments and listening to your own negative self-talk, yeah. You really need to figure out what your value proposition is. 
And that the value proposition, as I define it, is how your work contributes to positive business outcomes. Right. And it's not your job description. It's really how you do the work that leads to great results. And it's not easy to figure this out. There are a couple of exercises that I give in the book. It, it helps if you do it with a coach or a mentor or somebody, you know, a trusted colleague. Yep. But once you understand the value you contribute, it opens up the door to a lot of opportunity as well as confidence. Mm-hmm. So as you're building relationships with people and you understand what they're hoping to achieve, what some of their challenges are, you can position yourself as somebody who might be able to help them through your value proposition. Yeah. And that's a great way to build visibility and credibility in an organization. How does your work help your department, help your boss, help, you know, help the company mm-hmm. reach its objectives? And this is not self-serving. And I have coached thousands of women on how to promote themselves, how to advocate for themselves. And the value proposition is the most powerful, mm-hmm. authentic way to do that because it's not bragging. Yeah. You know, it's not saying I'm so wonderful. Look at, I got this award and that award. No, it's, wow, you're, you're behind budget in your sales. Well, uh, here's what I can do. You know, I've helped a lot of people find gold, you yeah. know, where, where they couldn't yeah. find it before. Mm-hmm. Um, help them to see revenue that they were overlooking before. So, you know, I'd be happy to help you to look through some of your accounts or whatever. So it's it's just how your work yeah. and can it, position it, yeah. you to have that credibility. Yeah. So it enables the women to go go into those conversations with, a, again, a very different mindset. It's about how can I help as opposed to let me tell you how great I am. Mm. And how you can help me. Yeah. 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 And I've, I've got to say, uh, the women I know who have read the book found that very uh, powerful because some of the distaste women have about political savvy is they think that they can't operate with integrity uh, and be politically savvy, that somehow they're selling out. Um, but if they hold true to that uh, value proposition and what their true leadership purpose is, it just, that, that seems to fall away and they're much clearer about how to use that as their compass to, to keep operating with integrity. That's good to hear. Yeah, it's really powerful. Listen, Bonnie, I really appreciate your uh, speaking with me today. Really enjoyed your book. And I discovered it a while back and uh, just absolutely delighted to be able to meet you even online and talk through that. I'm wondering as we close whether you might have any you know, final advice uh, for talented women, talented, ambitious women leaders uh, from your perspective, from your deep coaching experience, what advice would you have for talented, ambitious women leaders out there? I think my best advice would be to own your ambition mm-hmm. and be strategic about your career. Know, you know, where you want to go and put a plan in place for how to get there. Now, that can change over time. You know, maybe you think you want to be, you know, doing something and then you you find out along the way that's not for you. That's okay. But I think without a strategic plan, 
we're, we kind of get lost and we get distracted yeah. and we are much more vulnerable to a lot of the obstacles that uh, the workplace presents. Mm -hmm. You know, look at, you know, look at the workplace, look at your work environment in, in a very realistic way. I wrote a, an article for Forbes not too long ago about the, the one thing we overlook yeah. about our jobs or our positions that, that can sideline us. And, and that is we need to find companies that have values that are aligned with ours. We need to find companies that are going to support our, ambitious, our ambition as women. Yep. And so... Yeah, I've seen and I've coached so many women who are hitting their heads against the wall because, you know, they're trying to <laughs> create some kind of change. They're trying to make things happen. The company's like too conservative or they're not interested. Right. Yeah, so, they're in the wrong ecosystem, basically. Yeah. yeah. Unlikely yeah. to ever thrive there. So, yeah. So first of all, own your ambition, put mm -hmm. a plan in place and make sure that you find uh, the right organization that's going to support your plan and your ambition. Brilliant. Great advice, Bonnie. So um, you've got another book you're in the throes of writing. Can you tell me something about that? Yes, and I'm just in the very beginning stages. Yeah. But I have recognized that women of a certain age, starts really at 50, yeah. um, are being sidelined. You know, they're, they're being marginalized at work, if not forced out. And it's a really big issue that I think, uh, that I know a lot of people aren't talking about. I mean, we talk about age discrimination, mm -hmm. um, but there really isn't anything that talks about how that works by gender. And there's so many talented women out there who are embracing their power and ambition at 50 and above and have a lot to contribute um, to the world. And so I really want to talk about what it means, you know, to be a badass woman at 50 and above and how you can embrace that and build influence no matter what your age is. And what your age or your stage in your career. That sounds fantastic. Exactly. Can't wait to read it. <laughs> Listen, Bonnie, thank you so much. Uh, it's been such a pleasure to meet you virtually. And uh, I love your book. Bonnie Marcus, author of The Politics of Promotion. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks, Penny. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for listening to Grit in the Oyster. Join me for our next conversation coming soon, available on SoundCloud and iTunes. And stay in touch, Penny at pennydevolt.com.